0: Welcome back to Top Char Sports for this late night, uh, early edition episode. I am joined today, of course, by Spencer and Brett. Hello. Yeah, this is weird.
1: I like it. We should start recording every Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> it's something we may have like, to look into. <laughs> like, hella late Saturday night,
0: <laughs> like into Sunday morning. Just not, not quite. We'll just start streaming instead of recording episodes. Streaming ourselves doing it.
1: Yeah, late night,
0: late
1: night. Yeah, happens. we do
2: do it like a live show. I like it, a live late yeah. show.
1: We should look into that, like a yeah, like a late late top cheddar show. <laughs> Once a month,
2: <laughs> the late 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 top cheddar show, and we can only talk about news that's like three weeks late. <laughs> uh, that's one of the lates in the late late late. Victor, what are we talking about today?
0: Spencer, what aren't we talking about today? Uh, We have a lot to talk about in every sport, a lot of different leagues. And let's just start with NFL and knock it out right away because there's only one main thing we want to talk about there. As of this recording, roughly 10 minutes ago, Matt Stafford was just traded The Detroit Lions trade Matt Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in return for Jared Goff, as well as two future first-round picks and a third-round pick of this year. I don't know about you guys. I love this trade for the Lions. Uh, They weren't going to win with Stafford. They're not in a position to win right now. So why not get more first-round picks? I don't think the difference from Goff to Stafford is worth two first-round picks and a third, personally. So all in all, I think Detroit wins this trade. I think Stafford comes out a winner from this trade because, I mean, he's not getting any younger, and now he's on a team that is more poised to do well and win uh, right away. I hate this for the Rams. I think this is awful (laughs) Um, for them. I just don't don't see the value there. They still... uh, They might be the worst team in the division next year in my mind and this definitely doesn't get them to first i mean uh i don't know i don't see them being a top two team probably next year in the division i I don't know if san fran stays fully healthy if they're a top two this year in that division so yeah maybe that's me doubting the rams a little bit uh as they currently are but when you break down just the trade do you guys like it do you not
2: I, yeah, I'm with you on the Lions front. Uh, I think, like, the other key thing is that they get a capable quarterback. And like you said, the difference between Goff and Stafford, I mean, Goff can perform. He can start, right? So, you know, it's not like you're just doomed and you now have these – like, you have these picks, two first rounds and a third, to use to, like, build around Goff. You don't have to immediately be looking for – quarterback not necessarily that Goff's gonna be a franchise or anything like that it's too much though I mean this this is a package I would have expected for Deshaun and so now and I don't see I still can't imagine the Texans getting this because I just feel like they're gonna fuck it up and so I mean I'm just like blown away my guess is the Rams liked the, or McVeigh most likely liked Stafford and thought that he could like work with Stafford the best. And so uh because the, the, the trade market for him was pretty hot. Apparently Uh I, I saw a report that like there was at least uh, like four, five offers uh, from teams. So I'm assuming like the Colts might've been in talks, maybe the football team. Um I don't, I'm trying to think who else, but, there were other teams that probably had draft capital that they could have given, and, and the Rams ultimately decided to be extra aggressive and, and do it, and I think they they over-sent uh, over assets, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I saw something interesting how... Uh, so the, the Rams seem to be in wood now mode, right? Um, which is funny, because... They're not that great of a team to begin with. And this trade signifies that they think that they are. They think they are, you know, one of the best teams in the league. And this will put them over the top now, which is just false. And I saw an interesting thing that they have not drafted in the first round since they drafted Jared Goff in 2016. They don't have a first round pick this year from the Jalen Ramsey trade. And now they don't have one in 2022 or 2023 either. So, I mean, unless they win a Super Bowl in the next, like, three years, which they won't, um, they're really screwed. They really screwed themselves uh, royally here. And it's one of those – yeah, it's just one of those baffling moves. I mean, I just don't get it. I'd like it for the Lions because also maybe a change of scenery will be good for Jared Goff, and he's still very young and – the lions are going to be rebuilding now so he can kind of rebuild with the team and they can put some pieces uh you know through the draft now around him that maybe maybe he'll be better off in detroit you know maybe they can
0: tap into that potential a little bit that might be there so yeah and speaking of that change of scenery they the lions just moved on from matt patricia so it's not like he has to jump into an offensive scheme. They are literally just going to start fresh with a new coach and Goff. Uh, it's, so they can really see what works best to build around. I mean, I don't think anybody, or he could have gotten many coaches better than McVay, but still, it's definitely, I think, going to be better for him than just having to jump into a team's current scheme when he gets a fresh start with head coach.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I mean, am I missing something? Like are the Rams that close to a Super Bowl that this trade makes any ounce of
2: sense no. to either
1: of you? Like No.
2: They they were n- 9 and 7 the past 2 years, right? Or were they 10 and 6 this year? Um I think they were 10 and 6. They're just year, yeah. they're just very like I mean, they were <laughs> I'll put it this way, they were a mediocre team in my eyes. I I didn't really see them as anything amazing, Um, like good enough to get to the playoffs. And like, yeah, you have to let the magic happen from there. Um, And and I just don't see Stafford as this like God of a quarterback, this absolute Adonis and, and just huge step and upgrade over golf. I I just don't see that. And so no, plain and simple. Like I, I don't think they're close and I don't think this all of a sudden puts them, close
1: yeah yeah i agree completely agree um and now sorry go ahead no 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 all you well i was just gonna bring up now so now that we saw how much stafford was worth i can only imagine what a deshaun watson trade is gonna look like yeah
2: i mean the 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 one thing that i guess goes into it is the fact that it's because golf was included, and and because of his contract, I guess is why they had to include extra uh, uh, draft compensation. And I'm trying to find what his contract is exactly. You see,
1: I didn't look at it like that. I didn't look at it like, oh, we have to take golf off your hands to give us more picks. I saw it as like, we want golf because now we have our quarterback for the future too yeah that's interesting that that's how you viewed it because i guess yeah that's a whole other side i don't know how uh that would just
2: be my assumption just because like the the lions would probably be a little weary i mean he's he's got i think two full two more years on the contract he signed a four-year extension it looks like in 2019 and of course the site i'm on doesn't have an actual number there so i'm still looking for that uh, but if i remember correctly it wasn't a very like pretty okay. contract.
0: No, uh his contract is guaranteed salary for 2021 is 27.5.
2: I'm seeing uh, 134 million, 4 years 134 million. Yeah.
0: So it's broken down into 30 mil over 30 mil a year for the next 4 basically. So i'm sure the lions weren't in love
2: with doing that but you're right Brad I mean it's a capable quarterback replacing and they it's a steal I mean it's a steal that they got that and then on top of it they got all those picks
0: but you know, here's yeah. the other thing for me on contracts Stafford would have been paid 33 million they're only like the Rams are only saving uh, a million and a half here for this year and then 5 mil next year so the two years after that that's gonna be where you know you you win or lose the trade, but that's a long time to wait. I feel like.
1: Contra- I don't even think the Rams are concerned about that. I I think they're just they think they can legitimately win this now, and that's all they care about is getting an upgrade at quarterback.
2: It's a it's a bad move on their end. This is very gonna, bad. This is gonna be so bad for their future. They're gonna be man. I feel bad for Matthew Stafford. Oh.
0: It, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, it's worth it. Agree, like right? That's the ultimate goal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: the ultimate goal. yeah.
0: But anything short in your guys' minds? Do they lose the trade? Absolutely. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's hard to it's hard to see it any other way. I mean, why? Like they make it to a Super Bowl, uh, you still got to get it done. Uh, if you're if you just gave up that much. I would have I would have rather kept those draft picks and just rolled with Goff through the end of his contract and then went from there.
1: they mm-hmm. They'd be better off
2: realistically. <laughs> I don't really understand the Rams' need. Uh I mean they they screwed over some other teams that were quarterback needy, but I mean <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't understand why they were so uh especially because there are other teams, you know that drives up the price. So I don't understand why they were willing to jump into that and, and, fight, yeah. and fight over guys uh, and, and ended up paying as much as they did.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, golf will get to work with – Anthony Lynn was hired as the offensive coordinator for the Lions. I missed that. So that's interesting as well. Former Chargers coach. Yeah, We saw the great things he did with Justin Herbert. Um, maybe <laughs> he can bring that out of Jared Goff as well. Um, and then I saw a funny quote with the Texans' new head coach that I just thought was funny while we were talking about quarterbacks being traded. I don't know if you guys saw this, but when um, he had his introductory interview um, as head coach of the Texans, he was asked about Deshaun Watson directly and the trades, and um He said, quote, all I know is this. He is a Houston Texan, and I wanted to be a Houston Texan. And the reason I'm in this position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan. (laughs) End quote. They didn't tell him um, about the trade request. Apparently, Watson requested a trade literally like the day before they hired this guy. And he just didn't know about it. Oof. And it's just hilarious that it's the Texans because I feel like they've just constantly having things like this happen to them, and it's just so funny.
2: Yeah, they're they're a pretty garbage
0: organization. They really are. Okay, that's enough football for now. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I just of all the leagues we want to talk about, I feel like this uh, is still low on the on the chart. So just making sure we have enough time for everything else in this late, late, late night edition of Top Shedder. Mm. How about we jump to the NBA next? Yes, yes, the national. The um, national. I don't
1: know if you have any notes. Um, the one thing I wanted to touch on is the run the Utah Jazz are currently on, which is pretty remarkable. They are 15 and four, and now the first seed in the West. Um, They have sole possession of that. They've won 11 games in a row. This team was four and four, and they're now 15 and four. And it's also incredible what Rudy Gobert has done uh, during this win streak. And now I lost it. But Rudy Gobert tallied a uh, 20.20 rebound game which is something you really just never see in the NBA nowadays. And he's averaging like 15 boards and like 25 points during this stretch. He's And he's quietly doing it. Oh, there we go. 29 points, 20 rebounds. He also had three blocks and three steals in that game. Um, And yeah, he's just averaging ridiculous numbers. And the Utah Jazz are looking legit. They've been for several years now, one of those teams that's just kind of like you know, good in the West and maybe they'll make the second round, but they've never quite gotten like over that hump, you know? Um, I don't know if they will this year, but uh, like, it seems they've never been quite this good. So it's definitely impressive. And they're beating good teams during this run too. It's not like they've beaten just joke teams. Um, they have wins over the bucks, two wins over the Mavs, Warriors, Nuggets, you know, they're looking good.
2: Yeah. It's been pretty remarkable to, I mean, 11 wins in a row is, like, insane. And the Jazz would have been the right. last team, I think, I would have expected. Not the last team, but, like, not, not if somebody would have said, hey, who's going to have an 11-game winning streak this year? I would have picked, like, did, uh, I would have asked, are the Sixers playing 11 straight games at home? That would have been my first question. Um, <laughs> and do they have all their starters? Um, but, like, easily, it's, like, the Lakers, the Clippers. I could see could see one of them going on like a run like that. The Nets now, the Jazz. I, I wouldn't have even considered uh, just because they're just a very like they're consistent, they're good, but and they they're playing at a whole new level, um, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that you you brought up uh, you you know you said that they got some like wins over the Mavs and stuff like that. Um, and I want to jump to that real quick because uh, Luca has been extremely upset with how the Mavericks have been playing it's been that's been something that's been really difficult because he's a guy who like just truly seems to love the sport and loves playing basketball and he just doesn't seem like he's having fun right now and I always hate seeing that um so that might be something to watch Uh, you know his his attitude and if he's like increasingly getting upset, um, to see how the Mavericks try to fix that, um, I think might be kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um never a good thing, never a good problem, I guess, uh, to have is is when your star player is upset. That's that's when situations like uh trade requests, like we saw see in Houston uh, mm-hmm. kind of come about. So, and I mean, he might be overreacting a little bit. They're eight and 11, you know, they're not, <laughs> I mean, they're two games out of the playoffs. It's not the end of the world at the moment, but yeah. And then um, the last note I had just from weird things that happened, um, the Brooklyn Nets, speaking of the Nets, with Kevin Durant out, put up 147 points against uh, the Thunder in a regulation win, which was pretty freaking ridiculous.
0: Uh, yeah, they're good. Do you guys have a uh, question here for you? Do you think that young players, uh, because we see it more and more recently, have the right uh, to demand trades or request trades off of their team? No, no. How many years do you think you need to give to a team before they have that right? Well, I guess you can do what you want,
1: like, but I just think it's it's a little ridiculous when a player you know, on like his you know the second year in the league thinks like, okay, trade me. Um, I also don't think it's a great career move because then he's always gonna have that for the rest of his career. Um you know, people are always gonna remember, oh, this guy r- requested a trade two years into the league. You know, it, it just kinda gives people then the um notion, I guess, that you you kinda are a bad locker room guy. Um, at least that's how I view guys that do stuff like this. So Unless you have a legitimate reason, I don't think, you know, it's right. But.
2: Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. I mean, what it always boils down to for me is, like, I think, you know, rookie contracts and all, like, it might suck that you get drafted by a bad team. But, like, it is what it is. Like, at the end of your contract, you have the chance to – get out of it um and go somewhere else now with restricted free agency and stuff like that it's not always like this super clean thing but like you know you do end up having like you see guys who resign just because like it's a, a ton of money which is like great you deserved that money but you know then two years into that new contract you're upset and it's like well you knew how this organization was like you knew that they weren't doing enough you know stuff like that so uh, i always kind of baffles me when like they request trades because it's like you know like yeah you're part of the reason why you're in this situation nine times out of ten um so yeah i'm not always a big fan of of seeing people request trades um when it's like a mutual respect thing like when it doesn't seem like it's like a blow up like what butler did or what harden did and like you know i'm gonna throw a tantrum until you Mm -hmm. do trade me like that i'm that i'm especially not a fan of but when it's like a mutual thing like hey like I appreciate this organization, but, like, I want to win. And this is my last year anyway, so, like, what can we do here? And then, you know, something's worked out. That is always great. But, yeah, I'm I'm never too keen on people requesting trades.
0: Okay. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I'm not big on it either. I think especially anybody who is on their – if you're on a rookie contract you have no right to in my mind and if you're on that first contract afterwards uh you better be on like the last year of it and before you even think about it but yeah I just wanted your your takes on that because I feel like it's becoming increasingly more popular among young players and athletes and uh not just in any specific sport pretty much across across all of them so yeah yeah people want to win huh it's pretty crazy
1: And again, I think if you have a legitimate reason, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I just want to stress that because some of these guys do. But yeah, in general, no, I don't like it. Um, Spencer, did you have any other MBA? Not stuff that I can think to... of. Okay. Then I had one quick note in the WNBA – Um, because I know we don't normally talk about this, but Candace Parker, who I think is a name we all know, um, Um, one of the biggest names in women's basketball is leaving the LA Sparks after 13 years to sign with her hometown, Chicago sky. Uh, this is like a huge deal in the WNBA. Um, she's 34 now. So she's kind of at the tail end of her career, but uh, 13 season with, with the Sparks, she won multiple championships there, and she's the only player in WNBA history uh, to win both the MVP and Rookie of the Year award in the same season. Uh, that was right when she left Tennessee in 2008. So big news in the WNBA. I don't know the terms of the contract yet because they can't officially sign until uh, Monday, but... She will be leaving the Sparks for the Sky.
0: Crazy! Wow, that's all big bad. news. Yeah. There, we'll get to yeah. play for the hometown. Though I like when people get to play for their hometown if it's at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would, I would assume it's like a two or three year deal, and then she'll just retire after that. Um, but yeah, she gets to play for her hometown before retirement. So,
2: but she on the LA Sparks at the same time as Lisa Leslie or did they like just miss playing with one another? I just realized that like they were probably pretty close. I think they did play together. That's insane.
1: Let me do a quick Google search of the that 08 LA Sparks team because it would have had to probably have been that team. Right? I would
2: imagine. Uh, yeah, insane. they did play I together. didn't even realize that. Wow.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. And the numbers they put up. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So that was quite the team there. Um, no wonder they won the title and she won MVP. Nuts. And rookie of the year.
2: Just absolutely nuts. Yeah. Two icons of the game. That was around. I don't. When
1: did the N- WNBA even. That had to have been near their. First years too, because I don't think it's been around much longer than before then. I'll look that up. Quick, uh, I you guys know I think I 1997, say, I
2: gonna...
1: they began playing.
2: Uh, I thought I remembered watching I gonna... ESPN as a young lad and, and seeing stuff about Lisa Leslie. So, yes. 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 All
0: right. Where are you next, Captain? Next, we're headed over to the MLB. All
2: right, Brett. You, have Brett. You guys not for MLB.
0: You. Unless not, Captain. <laughs>
2: um.
1: Yeah, I, I have a couple things I want to touch on. If you don't, <laughs> but I'm sure you will. Okay.
2: Sounds good. Whenever, whenever you guys are ready. Give me a sec. Do we want to start? Oh, okay. Okay. Do we want to start with trades or signings? Which Which are we feeling first? Signings. Signings always perfect.
1: They're less exciting. All
2: right. So we've got just a couple, just a few. Um, where to begin? Let's start with uh, the Phillies because they had two fairly large signings. They re signed JT Romuto, which was huge. Big round of applause to the Phillies. They needed to do that and they did it. Five years, 115.5 million. We talked about it a little bit. I said that Romuto is the type of guy who probably deserves to be talked about in the 30 million AAV category, um, which is obviously a lot. I'm not saying that that's definitely what he should get, but I wouldn't be surprised if he presented numbers in that realm. Um, and I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have received offers in that area. He is without a doubt, the best catcher in baseball currently and probably one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, just he, he can do it all. I mean, as close as you can get to being a five tool player behind the plate, which is insane. Um, So, good job for the Phillies there, and then they had another signing. Um, But anything to touch on here with Ramito?
1: Yeah, I I for one, I know we talked about this a little bit in our group chat. I thought it was a little um, pricey. Especially just given I know how fragile catchers can be. So, I, I didn't really like the term of it, um, but the Phillies are a team that certainly can afford a contract like that, even if it does go south, um, which, you know, God forbid, it it does. Like, I hope not, but I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you're ex- absolutely right. He is the best catcher in the league by a wide margin, I think, and um, ultimately, you know, good for the Phillies to get it done.
2: Yeah, and it, it seemed a little up in the air. Um but as we got closer to this happening, things picked up um, and his market did kind of stall a little bit with other teams making moves at the catcher position, probably because they realized that they weren't going to be able to really stand a chance. Um, and like you said, the Phillies have the money. So it 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 would have been extremely disappointing if they wouldn't have gotten this done. Um, and, and just the the fact that they're going to have him and Harper, you know, Together now for the foreseeable future. Um, that's that's two great uh, cornerstones of your of your lineup to to have. Their other signing, which this one also looked a little up in the air, but they were able to re-sign Didi Gregorius, uh, two years, twenty-eight million, I believe, are the terms. Gregorius actually had a pretty good market for him. Um, has pretty good power. Uh, for the shortstop position. Um, so they were able to bring him back. Um, and uh, he, he continues to to pencil in with his double play partner, Gene Segura, uh, probably one of my favorite middle infield duos. Uh, the only thing that I don't love about Gregorius was the Phillies getting him in the first place. I would have liked them to have kept uh, Hernandez, which we'll be talking about him in a second. Um but, yeah, Gregorius, kind of pricey. Um, but in terms of what other shortstops were on the market, um, there wasn't a ton. And, again, a bunch of teams that were looking at him. So, Phillies kind of had to pay pay the price, right. and they did it. And they retain again, another important part of that lineup. Um, last year, he – hit I'm looking here he hit 284 and had 10 home runs in a shortened season so again for a short stop that's uh that's pretty good offensive production right there
1: yeah yeah I love this as well um like you said really good year last year he's only 31 and uh he's coming off a one year 14 mil deal so they kind of kept that same value just two more years at that value so I think it's I think it was a win for the Phillies. I weirdly like this one more than the real Muto one, for the reasons I already said for real Muto. Um, Even though, I mean, they're both good moves ultimately for the Phillies, who still haven't made the playoffs since 2011, which is weird to think about because it feels like they're always in the playoffs. But no, that isn't nine years. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, ten.
2: They uh, they need to work Mm -hmm. on that rotation. That's that's the real important thing. Um, So we'll see if they, if they make any moves coming up here. Um, But yeah, I, I, okay. So I touched on Cesar Hernandez, um, former Philly. Uh, He signed with the Indians last year after the Phillies non-tendered him. It was a move that I just really didn't understand. Tendered the guy a contract. He has trade value. The angels were always after him. And I, I just knew that they could have gotten something for him. Instead uh, they let him walk and then they signed Gregorius for more and watched Hernandez sign for a hell of a lot less with the Indians. That same thing happens. Uh, Hernandez signs one year, five mil. There is a club option worth six mil. Um, So, you know, effectively two years, 11 million. And, you know, offensive production-wise, Hernandez is a fairly good on-base percentage kind of guy. Um, he just doesn't have the same power as Gregorius, so you're just paying that extra premium for the power, basically. It was a, it was something that I just never loved. I do really like Hernandez, and I just love that the Indians just keep getting a steal here with the contract. Um, he's, a, he's a solid guy, uh solid middle infielder. That, again, probably could have... Uh, fetched a ton of attention on the market yeah and then the indians also signed eddie rosario um outfielder from the twins most recently at one year eight million kind of interesting um he's always been like a consistent like basically like 275 20 home run guy um so eight million really doesn't seem like that much really liking what the Indians are doing here Uh, you know, especially in the midst of trading Francisco Lindor, Uh, I think they're still going to be competitive. And I think I I won't be surprised if they make the playoffs, especially because the AL central is trying to think probably the one of the weaker divisions in baseball. Um, So they're staying competitive and you know, rebuilding the farm and, and and everything. They're making some good moves. Uh, another middle infielder, mm-hmm. or shortstop, I should say, who signed, uh, Marcus Simeon, signed with the Blue Jays, one year, $18 million. Um, great signing by the Blue Jays. There's a ton of potential with Simeon, um, but they also don't get locked in long-term in case he kind of flops. So an easy one year and if it doesn't pan out he's off the books kind of deal love that move for them um surprised that the athletics well no i'm not i was gonna say i'm surprised the athletics didn't try harder but let's be real
0: um
2: (laughs) then the last signing i believe i'm not forgetting anything uh, oh no, there was one more. Sorry, Andrelton Simmons signed with the Twins for one year, ten point five million. So again, another shortstop uh, off the market. Um, nothing really there. I mean, he's defensively really good, but like I would probably rather pay Cesar Hernandez five million than pay Andrelton Simmons ten point five. You're paying for a name there, in my opinion. Uh, but regardless. The last signing was Cardinals re-signed Adam Wainwright. One year, $8 million. Uh, I, I, as a Cardinals fan, love this move. Uh, He was probably their best pitcher last year, which is crazy. Um, He's going to be 40 this year, or... Yeah, I think he's turning 40 this year, or he's turning 39 this year, or he is 39, I don't know. Um, But 3.15 ERA uh, in... 65 and two thirds innings. I watched a ton of Cardinals games and uh, every time he was on the mound, you knew he was going to go seven innings, uh, if not more. I mean, he just grinded all last year and it paid off eight year, 8 million kind of seems pricey in my opinion for a 39 year old, but he's still, he's still good. He still contributes. So I, I loved it. And, uh, Finally, the Cardinals are opening the, the, uh, the wallet. And so hopefully that means a or Molina signing is coming soon, potentially Colton Wong, but there's other Cardinals news that might mean the Colton Wong uh, reunion may not be happening. Anything on those signings?
1: Yes. Before, before you get into that trade, um, I had one other note Daniel Murphy yes retired um yes. at age thirty five after twelve seasons, which I found a little surprising um his plays definitely dipped the last couple of years but he was still a pretty you know good hitter He hit uh, what was it two sixty nine uh over the last two seasons it's not bad um so I was a little surprised because um, at thirty five i mean that's it's not old in baseball um so but a good career for him nonetheless
2: yeah i was actually shocked by that too um because yeah he still seemed like he could fly he still seemed uh yeah like he could contribute basically so yeah i was definitely surprised by that too and you forget about how good he was i mean he he was almost a 300 hitter in his career 296 career average um, pretty insane. All those years with the Mets, yeah. And he had that he had that crazy, uh, that crazy postseason, right? And then they didn't re-sign him. My, re- yeah, he won um NLCS MVP. same. I remembering that correctly, right? Yeah. I, no, he was on that yeah, Mets yeah, World yeah, yeah. Series yep. team. Yep. I think. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah, and they didn't re-sign him. Great move. Good job, Mets. And then, uh, did you did you touch on oh, Jock Peterson or? Did yes, I thank you. Sorry, I knew I was forgetting something. Jock Peterson went to the Cubs, one year, seven million, I think. Um. Yeah, yeah, I like that move. Um, that's the first time. The, uh, th- this has now gotten the NL Central rolling. Um, I, I was watching a bit on um MLB Network where, uh there had only been five signings and I think it was only the Cubs and the Brewers and only one signing was for over a million dollars. So every single NL central team was being like super, super quiet and super, super stingy. So now you got Wainwright, you got Peterson. I mean, two contracts under 10 million. So nothing like super splashy. Um, but yeah, things are starting to finally heat up there. And uh, this is a huge upgrade. I, I don't think Almora's is going to be back. Schwarber's not going to be back. Um, and I'd say Peterson's a big upgrade over them. Um, he can sometimes be a little cold, like a little hotter cold, uh, like only hits righties well, and then just absolutely sucks against lefties. But all in all, he's a pretty good hitter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I was going to say, now I think That's we're on in right. signings. Yeah. But thank you. That was a good call out. Um, so two trades, and then
1: wait, Victor. Did you have a signing? Is that what that was?
0: No, I was just saying, good catch.
1: He was praising oh.
2: you for for once.
0: <laughs> uh uh, before we get into signing or before we get into trades, questions, um, on signings. How much do you think Yadi fetches from the Cardinals? If they resign him hmm well he's worth probably like one million, probably
2: yeah. like in the in the range of ten would be my assumption
0: <laughs> because ever since uh, the real Muto contract I've been discussion on here I've been uh, looking at just catchers contracts and thinking about you know if Real muto got paid that much is he really like four times better than a contract that's six mil and everything. And then I was just wondering about Yachty. So yeah, as a Cardinals fan, what would you want to pay? I him mean, or what? what would I yeah. want to pay a 40 year old catcher versus what I think he's going to
2: get paid? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Brett, Brett's number was probably closer to what I'd want to pay him, but I mean, you take into account all kinds of different things. You take into account like the, just the respect aspect of like, these two parties and like you also take into account you know the intangibles as much as everybody loves to talk about those and like what team wouldn't be willing especially like a young team like I don't know the Padres who have like some money to throw like why wouldn't they try and bring in a guy like Yachty for that clubhouse so you know you have to think about all those things too um So, you know, realistically, I don't want to see a $15 million one-year contract for Molina, but, you know, ultimately, if that's what they end up doing, then so be it. The Cardinals can afford it, and I kind of hate hearing that they were trying to lowball both Wainwright and Molina to, like, franchise icons, like, just give them basically what they want. They're just going to be on a year-by-year basis at this point, and again, they both still contribute to the team in positive ways, so... But yeah, I would expect like 10 mil.
0: Okay.
2: Um, okay, trades. Two trades and then one, yes, kind of maybe trade. Um, that still has a couple of bumps to get over. So we'll talk about the definites. Uh, first is the Yankees traded Adam Adivino, uh to the Red Sox. So a rare inner division, especially the you know two the the biggest rivalry in baseball. Um Adovino, though, not the next babe Ruth, so I don't think we need to worry about anything here. Uh trade him to the Red Sox for a player to be named later. So they get basically nothing in return. Uh or most likely they get nothing in return. Uh I really don't have any feelings on this trade. So I'm just reporting on it. The Not Mets traded Steven Matz. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It's okay. I thought you would have I thought you would speak up if you did have something, Vic. Um the the Mets oh. traded Steven Matz to the Blue Jays for Josh Minkowski, uh Sean Reed Foley, and Yenzi Diaz. Um this trade was interesting. Um Steven Matz is a he's a pretty good pitcher, um, but I, I think he got relegated to the bullpen, if I remember correctly. Um, and he's also just yes. he's been very you know he's just had a weird career so far. We'll put it that way. But I think he's still good. Um, I'm just very shocked that the Blue Jays gave as much up as they did for him, uh, seeing as he's kind of a bit of a project, like. This is a move I would have expected from the Astros or um, the Astros are basically the only team I can think of where they take a guy that they know, Oh, like the Rays, the Rays would be a good one. Um, They take a guy who they know just needs a little bit of work that they think they can fix. And if they can't do it by the end of the year, it doesn't matter because they probably didn't lose anything in it. Um, and if they can, then great for Mats because he would go and cash in elsewhere, most likely. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised by the return. So good on the Mets because honestly, Mats was kind of, I guess, like he was just a redundancy at this point. Like I said, he had been relegated to the bullpen. Um, so I guess good on him there. And then kind of a head scratcher, but could be a, a really good move in the end for the Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i just sad because I remember when Steven Matz was like one of the highly touted pitching prospects for the Mets coming up and, um, you know, along with DeGrom and Syndergaard and all those guys. And I thought it was always funny that his last name was mm-hmm. Matz and he played for the Mets, which I know is stupid but it's like Steven Mets. I don't know. I'm sad to see that leave. Um, and yeah, like you said, definitely a good trade for the Mets. Um, he's 29 now, which makes me feel old. And uh, looking at his numbers last year, he went 0-5 with mm-hmm. a 9-6-8 ERA. So that's obviously not great. So yeah, like you said, it's definitely a project. And um We'll will see though. Change of scenery. Going up north of the border too. Maybe uh he gets some Timmies in him instead of some uh Starbucks and maybe he'll be better yeah.
2: off. Uh it's it's funny because the Jays send back a guy who's also a bit of a project in Sean Reed Foley, but then the Mets get a, a solid pitching prospect in Winkowski. Uh I, I like this guy. I thought this I thought he was gonna be a pretty key part of the Blue Jays rotation may be back end, but I definitely thought, I definitely envisioned him performing at the major league level. So, yeah, I, I liked this for the the Mets. Uh, like it for Mats. Uh, unsure if I like it for the the Blue Jays or not. Victor?
0: I have comments <laughs> on this one, but thank you. I appreciate-
2: All right, then the last thing we have. Finally, is the Cardinals apparently have a deal in place to acquire Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies. And let me just say, as a Cardinals fan and as a Nolan Arenado fan, I am just through the roof excited. I, when I saw they were in talks, they've been in talks about getting, uh, sorry Brett they've been in talks to get him for 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 years now it feels like every offseason because will the it's it's the classic Rockies will they won't they trade this guy kind of thing and I've always loved him and I've always said if the Cardinals can get him I would just be so happy and they potentially did it and I'm I'm ecstatic couldn't be more excited Brad, do you have any anything you want to say currently? Uh, as
1: a Nolan Arenado fan, I am obviously crushed <laughs> by this, and I already burned his jersey no, that I had. No, it was a purple one. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yes, I did. And um, yeah, it's a shame. You know, it must suck to be a Rockies fan because every time they get guys like this. They always end up trading them, which is fine because they're not a huge market, but at the same time, they get nothing yes. in return. And same with this trade. They get nothing back. And now, now, if I'm a Rockies fan, I'm just waiting for Trevor Story to be traded too because why wouldn't he be? And you know, they're just going to suck now for the next decade. And I, I feel, I mean... I don't feel too bad for them as a pirates fan. But like I, I can under I can relate. I can understand. You know, at least the pirates though typically get at least something uh-huh. back for their guys. Typically. Not all the time, but typically. The Rockies, I just feel like they well, never do. I mean, my God, you go back to Yubato Jimenez, Matt Holiday, uh, cargo. I mean, I don't think they traded cargo, but No, I don't think so. I? I think you left him free agency, finally. Ktelawski. They got nothing for him. Like it's just yeah. so infuriating. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: got to be. So the one thing I will say is it's the fact that they're able to give they are able to get to the point where they give these these all-stars, these incredible players these massive contracts. And so when they go to offload these contracts mm-hmm. it causes hiccups in the deal. You saw it with the 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 most recent case as close to this Arnauto deal is the Stanton to the Yankees. I mean, it looked like the Yankees got away with highway robbery because they sent essentially nothing in return. I mean, they sent Starlin Castro and who cares what the rest was because they were getting Stanton. Um, And that's, that's kind of what's happening here, except the Rockies aren't even getting a major league talent. Um, I like that you touched on story story is in his final year. There is a great chance that he gets traded. Um, I would expect that to actually bring in a return of, you know, a a good prospect package. Um, But let's talk about the return here. Nothing is for certain. First off, Um, we don't know any names that are going back to the Rockies for sure, but we do know a few names that have been floated out there. Um, Also the Rockies are potentially sending or yeah. Uh, Supposedly sending fifty million dollars to the Cardinals as a part of this trade, um, and so when that much money is uh, exchanging hands, this has to now get approved by the uh, MLB and the Players Association. Um, basically, there's no reason it won't be, but it's just like it's just like an extra step that it has to go through, and then also Nolan Otto has to uh, waive his no trade clause. Uh, which uh, allegedly uh, he's been in talks with certain Cardinals players uh, in the past about how much he wanted to play for the organization. So this seems like a destination that he'd be willing to do that. Um, so yeah, the $50 million real quick, that's important because he has six years, $199 million left on his contract. So effectively the Cardinals are getting him for six years, $150 million um, that mirrors George Springer's contract, which Arenado is uh, one and a half years younger um, and plays a more premium position of third base. Uh, outfielders are, you know, fairly easy to come by, not necessarily for the Cardinals, but, th- you know, that being said, third base is a pre- more of a premium position. So they're kind of getting a deal there when you when you look at it like that. Um he does have an opt out after the twenty twenty one season. He now gets an additional one after twenty twenty two, and then also uh, a, a another year is being tacked onto the contract um, at the end of it, and it's an additional year for fifteen million. Which you know he'll be, I guess, thirty six. Doing quick dumb math there. Um, so $15 million for a 36-year-old, assuming that he's still producing. Not bad. Um, so that's everything that the Cardinals are getting. The names that have been floated out there, the best player in return is Austin Gomber, who has pitched decently at the major league level, but he's going to course Field where he will probably get shelled. Um, other than that, it's pretty much nobody. They aren't getting Nolan Gorman. They are not getting Dylan Carlson, and they are not getting Matthew Liebertor. Uh That's the three top prospects for the Cardinals. They're not getting Ivan Herrera, who's a top-ten catching prospect. They're not getting any of these guys. Um, they're not getting any, like, headliner prospect. Uh, another guy who was thrown out there was Luke and Baker, who's a first baseman who the Cardinals don't have a need for because they have Goldschmidt. Uh, John Torres, who's, who's young and an outfielder who the Rockies could develop, but he's a long ways away from the majors. And then Jake Woodford and Angel Rundone were both floated out there, two guys who I believe have pitched at the major league level. I know Woodford has for sure. Um, not 100% sure on Rondon. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I was surprised that, like, Carpenter wasn't a part of this deal – um, took try and offset salaries, um, or Fowler even. Uh, and and I was surprised that they didn't need to give up somebody like Edmund, who was a young, proven Major League talent, and not a single one of their top prospects. The Cardinals, provided this trade goes through, are getting away with highway robbery.
1: Yep. And I saw uh, fan graphs project the Rockies already to finish as the second worst team in baseball uh, before the Mm -hmm. trade. And they probably still will be the second worst because the Pirates will (laughs) still be worse. But just something else to note, it was already looking bleak and now uh, they really just, yeah, there's just nothing here. Yeah, it's a sh... Not to mention that they have a poorly ranked farm system as well before the deal. And that's not going to get right. any better with the trade, really. So, yeah, just uh, great stuff going on in Colorado. You know, marijuana is now legal there. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, what's his face? What's his face? What's their GM's name? Jeff Riddich. Maybe he's uh, got his own little farm up there. Maybe.
2: Um, but yeah, that, it, it, <laughs> the only explanation I have, Spencer, like I said, there's still a couple of stages left for this to actually go through. So by the time we record again, this could have fallen through, who knows? Um, but all signs are pointing to it going through. And, uh, the only other thing that, uh, I'm curious on is where, like, do you, where do you see the Cardinals before this trade in the national league and like, where do you see them now? Is this a type of move that you think makes them, you know, a world series contender or no. do you think it's too hard to get past like the Dodgers, the Padres, the the Braves?
1: Yeah. No, if you want my honest opinion before this trade, I had them as like probably winning the mm-hmm. NL central. And all this really does for me is now I would say they will win the NL Central, but in terms of like making the World Series or anything like that, I I don't think it gets them there. I mean, Arenado's is a great player, but he's just one player. Um, I I don't see it. Personally.
0: Victor, uh, more more of a contender than a favorite still.
2: Yeah, uh, it definitely you know strengthens their bid, but you know, I I saw a lot of people saying like before this trade the Cardinals were, you know, fifth best, maybe sixth best team in the NL. Um I don't know if I hundred percent agree with that, but you know, they had basically everybody was agreed upon the Padres being better, the Dodgers being better, the Braves being better, uh, and then the Mets, a lot of people also feel are better, which kind of surprises me there um and yeah I, I don't really see this putting them I, I agree with you Brett. like I I thought that the central would be probably tight based on the fact that nobody was doing anything and so they were just going to roll it back out and it was pretty tight this year and you know yeah the Cardinals would would have a shot at winning it and now I see them as the favorite to win the central and that's kind of it. Yeah. yeah, but all right. That that is everything for baseball. Right.
0: Okay, uh, Brett, it's up to you now. Would you like to jump to Premier League or to the to hockey next? Um, uh, what does it matter? The did, will you a- did you actually
1: did you actually burn Sorry. the jersey? Um.
2: No, you didn't.
1: Yeah. No, there's no. one. <laughs> no, I have plans to though. Like do, it's it's ready. It is currently on. The, it's currently on my floor burn in my that room jersey. with Dallas Oh and my
2: god! Do not burn that jersey.
1: Why would it's I keep air- the jersey air-
2: down? I need to remember one of the best Rocky players of your lifetime.
0: Yeah. Okay, but no. you say it's for that. But if Brett looks at, it, he's going to see a guy who he loved go to a team he hates. And
1: yeah, like why? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. No, I'm not. No, yeah. Thank you, Victor. Yes,
0: correct. Got you. <laughs> okay, well then let's jump to Premier League next. <laughs> the Barclays Premier League. Yes. Um,
1: what did Boys. I? There was something.
2: Did I do it right? Uh,
1: God. Oh, I remember now. Okay, so um, I've talked before. Well, we sorry, we've discussed before on this podcast how bad Sheffield United has been, right? Um, they were on pace to possibly break the record for worst Premier League season by any team ever. Which fun fact? is currently held by Derby County, who back in, oh, God, I think it was 2012, maybe, finished the year with just 11 points and one win. Um, Sheffield United, I I brought up when they got their one win, I think, if I remember correctly. Did I? I think I did one time. Well, they got their second win uh, this past week, and it was a shocker. They went to Old Trafford, where Manchester United play. For those who don't know, Manchester United had won, I think it was six league games in a row coming into this match at home against Sheffield and Sheffield United won two to one, getting their second win of the season, just furthering how crazy this Premier League year has been. And I just remembered the other note I wanted to have. But while we're on Sheffield for a second, they now have eight points and two wins um, again, 11 is the worst season ever because while Sheffield has more wins than Darby did that year, they only have two draws and 17 losses, so they still only have eight points. We're 21 games in out of the 38. Um, so they need three more points, they need four draws or a win and a draw. Do you guys think that they can do it?
0: Uh, yes, I. Think they avoid the worst season ever, but they're still good. They're not going to dig their way out of that bottom three relegations. It's I don't better. think they will do it. Just because I think I don't
2: think, they, think will. they will. I don't think they will. I I do not. I think they won't. Just so I can disagree with Victor.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm on the fence about it because, um they just they don't score goals like it's pretty incredible how few goals this team scores. They've scored a total <laughs> in the Premier League. Twelve goals in in 21 games. I mean, that is it's by far the least in the league. And the fact that they got two against United was pretty incredible. And by the way, in that game, they went up one nothing. Then United tied it, and you were like, "Okay, here it comes." But no, then Sheffield scored again. It was shocking. But um,
0: Burnley, yeah, has more I don't know. More goal than they. Do. So huh? Burnley only has one more goal. It's just the goal differential is a lot better. Burnley's played two less games,
1: also. Oh, true. Um, yeah. but it's just I don't know. I don't think I don't think they're gonna do it. Um, I think they might end the worst season in Premier League history. But at least they will have had more wins still. So they have that going for them. But the other note, and the last note, um, is this is the first season now in Premier League history, now that Manchester City is currently at the top of the table. First season ever that nine different teams at one point have led the league, uh, which is a record. So that's, again, just a testament to how crazy this year has been. Those teams are... Chelsea, Southampton, Arsenal, Everton, Tottenham, Liverpool, Leicester City, Manchester United, and Manchester Thanks. City have all led the table at one point. That's all I had for that. Uh, Vic, did you have a random thing of the week? <laughs> before I call for another 20 minutes straight? No, I'll just uh
0: Intervene during hockey at certain points so that way, uh, if it feels like you're talking too much and you need a break, I can provide assistance. Sounds good. Um,
1: did Connor McGregor lose that fight? That's something right yeah, now. Was, I think he did. Wasn't that last did he? week? Did, he? No, did we talk we about did, that last week? That, that, we talked significant, that was, significant that strikes, was, was, but I don't know about that.
2: That was two weeks or three weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, when when is McGregor gonna pass Favre for most retirements?
0: I think he's got. Are they tied right now? Two more to go. Uh,
2: how many times did how many times did Favre retire?
0: I thought Favre retired four four times. times? Piece of shit. (laughs) No, he
1: retired from the Packers. Then he signed with the Jets. Then he retired from the Jets. Then he signed with the Vikings, and I think that was it. So twice. Three times. So three. I, I thought think,
2: there was I think four McG- more, I think I'm McGregor's done. retired twice.
0: So yeah, he's got two more to go till he passes him.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, his next his next retirement
2: will tie him. This
1: is jam. Well, I'll tell you guys who hasn't retired, and that is Spencer Knight Great of name. Boston College. Because he's in college, so obviously he hasn't retired, but he has been absolutely lights out this year. Uh, just to put this into perspective, Boston College currently ranked number one in the nation, and rightfully so, they are nine two and one overall. Um, Spencer Knight is eight oh and one, which means that when Spencer Knight is not in the net, they are. One, two, and oh, so a losing record. Um, poor guy, Henry Wilder, he's a freshman, is their other goalie. He's one and two, <laughs> and he, uh, he's giving up 3.2 uh, goals a game. And uh, poor guy, just poor guy, but they'll probably never play him again. But um, yeah, Spencer Knight, as you know, the Florida Panthers drafted, uh, I think it was 12th overall, I want to say. Couple years back, um, he has been just absolutely on a tear. He's definitely going to win, uh, goaltender of the year for for NCAA hockey, and um, he's got a one eight seven goals against average, a nine four five save percentage, two shutouts, and like I said, he is undefeated. He had uh, a couple more shutouts this past or a shutout and another win this past weekend, and uh, Boston College is just riding and flying high because they're the Eagles. You can see what I did there. Mm-hmm. They're flying high <laughs> uh, in the rankings. Other notes from men's college hockey. Um, American international is enjoying their best season ever. They are now 12 and three overall. They had two shutout victories over Holy cross this past weekend. And uh, their coach, Eric Lang uh, since he's taken over this program is now 76, 32 and two. He has really, really turned AIC into a legitimate, consistent hockey program, and that record over the last three years is actually fourth best in all of college hockey. Uh, so shout out to him for turning AIC around, and they are currently ranked 19th, but for me personally, in my rankings, I have them moving up this, this week to 17th, but we'll see what actually happens. But nonetheless, AIC on its hair and leading Atlantic Hockey by a decent margin now. Over to women's college hockey real quick. Quick note here, uh, Penn State women's hockey is enjoying their best year ever. They are now, uh, they tied today, so they're now 9-1-2 and overall and ranked 8th in the nation, which is their highest ever ranking. Um, I expect them to drop though. Just because they drew Lindenwood this weekend today, actually, and uh, Lindenwood is very, very bad. To just put that lightly, so that's not a good result. So they'll probably drop to ninth, maybe tenth, but still, not nonetheless, Penn State is leading the CHA and looking good doing so. Any comments yeah, all on college?
2: I know, shocking, Spencer. Okay. Chirping in for NHL or for hockey, not NHL. But so you brought up that Spencer Knight was drafted by the Panthers. Great name, thank you. Great name. Um, yeah. so how does it work in hockey? Like, do they retain his rights and he's just playing in college? Yeah. Well,
1: correct. Yeah. So they drafted him, and then um, basically the Panthers would have either had to. Um, have him play on their professional team or he had to go back to college. Um, Same thing was sometimes you draft guys that are really young and they have to go back to juniors or they can stay in the NHL. Okay. Um, The Panthers currently signed some goalie named Sergei Bobrovsky to a 10 year ridiculous contract a couple (laughs) years ago. So they are in no rush to bring Spencer Knight up to their team, even though, That's going to be an interesting, and Vic, I guess we'll talk about this in a couple of years, but that's going to be an interesting situation uh, once Spencer Knight is NHL ready. I mean, I think he's NHL ready now, but once he's like, you know, graduates, um, what they do with Bobrovsky and him. Right, but
0: Right now, I think the best case scenario, which won't happen, is the Panthers leave Bob open in the expansion draft and hope Seattle just takes on the contract.
1: Yeah, but D- I don't see Seattle taking on that contract. I don't either, but why
0: not? Why not risk it <laughs> for them?
1: What's going to have to happen, honestly, is they'll probably just hold on to that contract till Knight's ready. And then Knight will back up Bob for a year. And then they'll finally just bite the bullet and buy him out. And hopefully at that point, they'll only be like maybe three or four years left. And so. It will, while it'll still be a lengthy and, and costly buyout, I, I that's how I foresee that going down. But that's all in the future. Spencer, to answer your question, yes, they just have his rights. Um, and then he can decide once he graduates college um, whether he wants to sign with them or not. Uh, a, a guy by the name of Adam Fox a while back, um, great defenseman playing for... Ooh, I used to know this. The Rangers. He played at Harvard. Um, he was drafted by the Flames and refused to sign with them. So they traded his rights to the Hurricanes, and then he refused to sign for them. So then he was, just became a free agent, and the New York Rangers signed him, and he's currently playing in the NHL. So some guys do just decide, screw you which I guess also kind of ties into our conversation yeah, of that's trade request with young guys. <laughs> like that's probably not right either. Right. Like guys shouldn't yeah.
0: just say, no, I'm not signing for you. No, they should be able to pull an Eli Manning and just refuse upon coming out of juniors or college or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seems a little wrong, but, but yeah, they have his rights. So it'll, it, it'll be interesting. I, I've, I think about this more than any normal human being should, actually. It's funny we brought up Spencer Knight and Sergey Bobrovsky because, like, it probably crosses my mind literally, like, <laughs> once a day at some point, just that, just that whole situation. Because whether I just, like, see the Florida Panthers or see Boston College or whatever, it just comes into my brain automatically. I'm like, ooh, Bobrovsky and Knight, how's that going to go?
0: So, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see how they handle that. I mean, uh, this is Spencer Knight's, correct me if I'm wrong. second year playing yes. in college. He's a sophomore, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got two more years in college. Bobrovsky's contract was 10 million a year for seven years, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it's it will barely be at the halfway point before they have to have this conversation just out of the fact that Knight will be graduating college.
1: What I don't want for him for Spencer Knight is a situation that we kind of see with like Vancouver with Thatcher Demko, how like he was ready and ready and ready and they just continually, they had Markstrom. Uh, so they, you know, they didn't bring him up. And now I still, again, don't understand the whole B signing. We won't get into that, (laughs) but they're still kind of like just not letting him take the reins. Although he is getting more starts this year than I thought he would originally. But, um, it's just mind-boggling, but that's what I would not like for Spencer Knight because he's a great talent, I just want to see him play hockey, you know? Um, yep. Anyways, good point, Spencer. What, you got us on that's a tangent, but that was good. Um, jumping then to the NWHL, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, obviously, they're in their bubble currently playing games. The Metropolitan Riveters, though, had to leave the bubble due to COVID concerns. Luckily, every other team is fine, uh, but the Riveters are out. So then the league had to kind of frantically create a new schedule, and I thought they, they came up with a really creative and fun idea. Um, they basically now have the top three teams, record-wise, um, guaranteed – to be part of the playoff round Robin thing that they're doing. And then the Boston pride and the Buffalo buttes who were, had the ro- worst records are playing a best of three series to get that last fourth and final spot in the um, playoff round Robin. Uh, so game one of that series was today, the buttes won two to one. So they have a one Oh series lead game two is tomorrow at 3 PM. And then uh, game three, if necessary, will be Monday nights. Um, I thought that was a really smart move, uh, kind of given, you know, they were thrown into having to make schedule changes. And I thought they did a good job with that. I agree. Um, other notes, they, NWHL and Discover Card have reached a sponsorship agreement, which will now be 50% of league sponsorship revenue. It's a huge, huge, apparently huge. Sponsorship agreement. A lot of money coming into the league with this. Um, Discover obviously already has a partnership with the NHL. So this was kind of a natural fit. Um, So they are now the official credit card of the NWHL. And again, a lot of money coming into this. um, That's apparently going to go mostly towards player salaries, which is really cool to see that the league is willing to do that as well. Um, And then... I think the last note I had NWHL-wise, for me at least, was just how good the Toronto Six have been. They're obviously the new expansion team, and uh, they've now beaten just about every team they faced, and I expected them to go winless. So... Don't go back and listen to the hockey thoughts episode of a NWHL season <laughs> preview. You just don't need to do it because it's very inaccurate. Um, but yeah, they've looked great and they've, every game they've been in has been fairly high scoring. So they, they're putting on a show. They're now three, one and one overall. Uh, they've won three in a row. So um, dark horse to maybe win the cup and um, record viewership again today. Um Over 6.9 million viewership minutes I saw uh, for the two games today. So it just keeps going up and up. Um, And the Colorado Avalanche, shout out to them, have done a great job on Twitter, at least, of bringing awareness to the NWHL. And um, that's really cool to see as well.
0: Yeah. And jumping back to the six and their surprising start in your eyes, uh, do you see this? Kind of like a Vegas thing, where it's just a chip on your shoulder as an expansion team. Uh, we see that time to time, just in different leagues. Or is this just a, you know, this team is going to they're good this year and they're just going to stay that way?
1: Yeah, I don't really know. Um, I think it's I think it's probably more so they have a chip on their shoulder kind of thing. Uh, I think also the bubble format, it's it's a little different. And that might actually play to their advantage, but it's just been weird all around. Like the Boston pride, for example, they were the heavy favorites coming into the year. They went 23 and one last year, one loss. And they're now one and four already. Um, this in, in this bubble. So it's just every result has been just kind of weird. So I don't really know. I don't really have an answer for you. I don't really know. Um, but it's fun to see. You know, it's always fun to see the new kids do well as long as they don't win the Cup because you guys know how I feel about, you know, brand new teams winning the whole thing right away. I feel like they the fan base needs to suffer first before they win. Yes. I do know regret? how you feel. Um, and then lastly to the NH- NHL... Um, another man, Spencer, who's not going to retire, Alex Ovechkin, in his first game back from his COVID absence, scored two goals, including an overtime winner against the Boston Bruins. Um, pretty, uh, pretty cool. Just pretty cool to see how he comes back and just, you know, absolutely tears, tears it apart. And the Capitals now remain unbeaten in regulation uh they're six oh and three and ovechkin's only missed 35 games in his career um only 17 of those actually with an injury so it was weird having him out for covid protocols and uh he clearly um was itching to get back other news kevin fiala got suspended for three games on a pretty nasty boarding of matt roy against the kings the other night um Definitely deserving of a three-game suspension. I thought that was appropriate. And more COVID stuff with the Vegas Golden Knights. This is concerning because it's a different division from the Central, which was having COVID issues. Uh, This is the West. And yeah, Vegas, um, four games total now, I think, will be postponed. Um, That should be all, but still, four games. The NHL also rescheduled all those prior games that were uh, canceled due to COVID. Um, So we now know when those will happen. But, yeah, Vegas now has a COVID outbreak, so that's a concern. It's apparently just one player, Alex Petrangelo, to be specific, uh, and then three coaches, but they're not playing nonetheless. So good job, Alex. You know, leaves St. Louis, brings COVID with him over to Vegas. Unbelievable. Unreal.
0: Uh, To jump in quick, I also did want to note David Posternak made his season debut tonight after having his surgery in November, I believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was good to see. Love seeing the young, or just the all-around talents of the league always on the ice. And then standings-wise,
1: I saw something fun that I wanted to bring up. There is a team, and Victor, I'll just pose this oh, I'll quote I'll pose this to both of you, but Victor, I expect that you might get this correct. Spencer, I it'd be a miracle if you did, no offense. <laughs> but there is one team in the NHL that currently has scored the most goals and given up the most goals. Um at 36 each. Can you guess what team that is?
0: Hmm. Uh Quick guesses off the top of my head for scores and give up the most. I would say either Colorado, Vancouver, or... No, I meant to... Those would be the two guesses I have. Is it one of those two?
2: Uh, if I well, Spencer, guess, do you have a you guess, you said that they've got the most goals and goals against, right? Well... Yeah. I had to guess, I would guess the Canucks, though technically, if I'm remembering correctly, the Oilers and the Senators both also have 36 goals allowed.
1: Uh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Are you looking at the standings right now? Is that? Yes, it is the Vancouver Canucks. That was, Wow. That was very impressive for both, for both
0: of you uh, for getting that. If the Oilers and the Sanders also have 36 goals allowed and are tied for most, and Spencer <laughs> isn't looking at anything, then by all means, please be on every single hockey thoughts from here on out. If
1: They are, and he's definitely looked this up. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, I thought that was pretty funny how the same team, so Canucks game's clearly wildly entertaining so far this year. Um if you like goals. I, for one, like goalie
0: battles, personally, but that's also to each other. I mean, the Canucks defense could use some work on the true defensive side of it, but that's a little surprising having Holpe and Demko that they've given up that much.
2: I just want to say...
0: Yes.
1: And... um in terms of standings, though, there's not really anything else that uh, jumps out at me as surprising. Victor, I don't know if there was anything you wanted to touch on, but um, obviously, again, still ignoring the Central because that's still kind of a shit show. but in the East, North, and West, there's nothing too shocking for me at the moment.
0: Uh, the North, I would say just the Canadians' hot start. I mean... None of the three of us, I believe, had them inside the top four. Obviously, it's very, very early, but uh, good for them getting out to a hot start. And that, that goalie tandem for them is working very well in Price and Jake Allen. Yeah. That's all I have.
1: Yes. And the Senators, after a good start, have now lost seven in a row. Um, good start, so, one win. <laughs> They were they were one zero and one. I thought, or maybe not. No, yeah, they were one zero. Never mind. Yeah, now they've lost seven in a row. So, oh well. I think that does it for hockey-related items for me.
0: This actually turned out shorter than I thought it'd be. I feel like there's something else in hockey I wanted to bring up, and now I can't remember.
1: I do too, and I am like frantically searching. Suspense so I talk about something while while I look at it. Um uh, <laughs> uh,
2: Yeah, the the avalanche. Is that what you guys wanted to talk about? Or maybe it was Vegas?
1: Oh, I know. <laughs> Victor, we're idiots. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Spencer. Uh, two quick things. One, Jimmy Howard announced his retirement after 14 seasons. Congrats on a great career. That wasn't sarcasm. He did have a great career. And secondly, Jim Rutherford oh, decided to oh quit on the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, we uh, talk about this. <laughs> Vic, I'm going to let you start since I've been talking for 20 minutes straight, and then I'll chime in with my thoughts after.
0: Yeah, so Brett, you're the one who... I first saw this from when he posted it in our group immediately. Um, Jim Rutherford, Penguins general manager, well now former general manager, stepped down from his position, uh, just pretty out of the blue. Um, all of a sudden, just this week. So Jim Rutherford has been with the team for over five years. He was with them for their back-to-back Stanley Cups. Uh, and although making some phenomenal uh moves as a gm early on to help them win those two cups it's been more of a downward trajectory for him uh when especially you talk to penguins fans and just hockey fans as far as the moves he made and the benefits for the team or uh the lack of benefits in the recent years so it's kind of been something people have been keeping an eye on just his moves in general and then it's we just see he stepped down. You don't know if it's health or anything at first. You hope he's okay, but he is a he's the second OSGM in the league, one of the oldest. So you had to think about that. Once we knew it wasn't health related, and you look into it, it just turned out to be a just personal decision to step down. Um, and his he had, his contract is up at the end of this year, this season. So. It pretty much sounded like he wasn't going to be brought back anyways. That appeared, the more we hear about now, that it was going to be just a mutual decision. And he may look to further his career uh, as a GM at that point in time with a different team. What I heard, and now you can either cut me off or jump in if you heard differently, is I heard rumors that he discussed possibly moving chris letang and that ownership was not happy with that and uh that was i should say like the final straw not the primary point but kind of what led ultimately led to the decision can you uh, theories as to why he left that? but i
1: did see that and i i actually i tw- i think i tweeted about that too because for me if he wants to trade letang let him i mean and this isn't going to be popular amongst my fellow Penguins fans, but realistically, if he's trading Latang, and g- to be fair, given the moves he's made in recent history, we can't assume this. But maybe he's trading him to try to get back some of the draft picks he traded away or get some younger NHL ready pieces that are less cap hit and that can help bring some depth. You know, if you can get a few pieces for a guy like Latang. I, I would be totally fine with it and it'd be a shakeup for the team. It'd be a wake up call. I thought it would be great, but yes, I did see that angle and that ownership said no. And so he was basically like, well, then if I'm like, if you're not letting me do my literal job, then why am I here? And then he quit. I had another theory that he wanted an extension and maybe ownership wasn't so sure. And so he said, well, then I'll just leave now. I don't know, but he has, he himself has come out and said, you know, his contract was going to end in June. And he himself has said that, yeah, maybe over the summer, like I'll start again somewhere else, start fresh. So he clearly wants to still be a general manager. So I, I'm starting to believe more and more the Latang rumors, um, which again, I would have been okay with. And I think, a new GM that comes in, if he wants to move Latang, okay. I think that's so, fine, personally, but I could see why people would say no.
0: I go back and forth on that, uh, on the Latang issue. I definitely agree with uh, what you're saying and see your point as far as if he wanted a contract extension and it wasn't going to come. Um, this kind of reminds me of just the Yadier Molina extension. It hits a point where is he worth the dollar value he's being paid at this point in time? No, uh, probably not, according to most people that aren't from Pittsburgh. And But if, if this is a guy who has been with your franchise the whole time, been a face of this franchise, uh, it's pretty much been a big three in Crosby, Malkin, LaTang, ever since they all came into the league for this team, Flurry was another part of that. So once Flurry went, I did wonder would it be a little more possible for a different piece to kind of leave that picture? But yeah, uh, this just tells me that LaTang will be a lifetime penguin because to me, if they're willing to let G to interfere with uh, Jim Rutherford's job as general manager to make this happen, then that will probably be a condition for whoever comes in to make it clear, like, look, this isn't going to happen. So I mix mixed feelings. Uh, as a Penguins fan who wants to see, like, who likes the consistency, and I just like to see people stay with the franchise, uh, both for me and for just other franchises, I respect it. But for someone who thinks the Penguins... May and are very 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 quickly uh, losing out if they haven't already lost their chance at another Stanley Cup in the Crosby Malkin era. Yeah. Then this. And will um,
1: I will say one thing is who the Penguins hire to replace him is going to say a lot about where ownership views this team, right? If they bring in a guy like, well, just looking at the list of potential candidates, if they bring in a guy like Ron Hextall or a guy like tom fitzgerald maybe then clearly the penguins ownership kind of knows the window's done and that they are kind of ready to rebuild but if they bring in a guy like peter shirelli or please god know, by the way but a peter shirelli or a jason botterill or a pierre mcguire please god know, um they're still in win now mode so i'm very interested to see if, it'll probably be a couple of weeks before they hire somebody else but I'm very interested to kind of see who they bring in to replace Jim Rutherford um it was also just bizarre the timing of this because literally the morning the morning of the day that he quit he made a signing he signed Yannick Weber to a to a one year two-way contract and then like hours after that he quit so it's like his parting gift to Penguins fans was Yannick Weber uh which I thought was a solid signing um but just really bizarre. Uh, Spencer, I guess my question to you would be, do you think ownership should ever just basically prevent the GM from doing their job like they did here?
2: No, it, it always annoys me. Uh, like you hired this person for a reason. I think as an owner, you can say like, Hey, like, I I would like to see you try and do something like this. Um, you know, like that's fine, but like at the end of the day, like I think it's more of like a you put together a wish list as an owner, but you don't like you don't step into this
0: this level. Like Okay. Spencer, I have a question for you going off that then. If the Cardinals would have traded Molina last year, how would you have felt? I I would have as a fan.
2: It, yeah, I mean, no, it's but, a little yeah, different, I mean, like that's but... something like that. I think ownership, I would like to believe ownership would probably try and step in and like prevent from happening. Like, yeah, I would be upset by that, but like, I would rather that happen if, again, this is what this guy is hired to do. Like he's hired to build your team and try and win you a championship or set you up to to have championships down the road and 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 stuff like that so you always just have to hope and assume that the person's doing what's in the best interest of the team unless you're the Brad, puppies, right Brad? Don't.
1: yeah yeah
2: so yeah i don't love when owners get like in the way of like deals like that like like i said i'm all for like if an owner's really high on like uh, I mean, I, I don't know, hockey players all that well, so I, obviously Crosby's not going anywhere, but if an owner was like, hey, I really want you to try and go out and get Crosby, like knowing Crosby's a free agent or knowing that Crosby might be on the trading block, all for that. Um, But yeah, I, I don't love when it's like, if you don't do this, you're fired. Like, I mean, sometimes they have just such unrealistic goals. Yeah, and Vic, I don't know
1: if you saw the list of suitors that they are throwing out there but some of them don't make any sense to me like like Jason Botterill because he just like just accepted a job to be the Seattle Kraken's assistant GM and Tom Fitzgerald just signed an extension with the Devils as their GM but guys like Ron Hextall and Peter Shirelli and Pierre Maguire and Jason Carmenos are intriguing to me some bad yeah. but who would you who would you
0: ideally like to see them bring in uh i honestly can't answer that because i don't know if i know enough like i would have to look more at what people have done and uh everything uh it's also tough because as a fan i don't want to believe the window is closed but realistically we don't have a future set up and that should probably be priority um if the window is closed not it the window the window is very much so, um <laughs> yeah, I'm just not sure. If we're looking at the future, and I haven't seen this name thrown out since day one, and it was thrown out more by uh I want to say local people, but Sam Ventura is the Penguins analytics like manager right now, just runs everything for their analytics department from a player standpoint. And I was excited just to see that his name was at least thrown out early because that definitely is also a for-the-future move. And, you know, not many teams have taken that approach before. So it was just interesting to me his name was thrown out. I haven't seen it since day one. But, yeah, I don't really have – I shouldn't say I don't have a preference. But, um, yeah, I don't know yet who I would want. But they are trying to fill it sooner rather than later, they've said.
1: Well, that's what makes Carmen so interesting, too, because he was the, uh, Rutherford's right hand guy until last October when they fired him for, they said, unspecified reasons. But he was the major analytics guy, too, um, right alongside Rutherford. So he'd be interesting. But me personally, I would I would love to see Ron Hextall come because Ron Hextall is a phenomenal drafter, and that's what the Penguins desperately need because they have the worst ranked prospect pool in the NHL. By various well-regarded websites, have them ranked last. So they need drafting, and I mean Ron Hextall's track record speaks for itself. Pretty much the whole, the whole Flyers team you see today virtually uh, Hextall drafted. So. I would love, love, love to see him come to Pittsburgh. But I don't know if Mario Lemieux uh, would would do that because, you know, they hated each other back in the day. So,
0: Yeah. Hope-
1: that was part of the joke, but yeah.
0: Yeah, hopefully um, it's all in the past. But my last question for you going off this is, if you are a team in the league, obviously not the Penguins, are you taking a chance on bringing in Jim Rutherford? given the recent years, if you need a GM? Uh,
1: well, there's not really a team that needs one right now, which was what makes this – makes that question tough. But, I mean, I think it depends on the team. If you're a team that wants to, like, win now, Rutherford has proven um, with his deadline ads that he he's very good at that, at, you know – Bringing guys in at the deadline and, and making cup-winning teams out of it. Um, so yes, if you're a team that is in that situation, otherwise I would not.
0: Okay. Yeah, I know we he we see a lot of success up front, typically in the first two to three years when he goes somewhere, and it may may tail off after that. So, you know why it tails off. Why is it tail off? Because at that point.
1: He's out of uh, stocked draft picks and <laughs> prospects to trade for pieces to win. Now <laughs> he goes all in, and then uh, after three years, oh crap!
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean there's nothing but if you get a cup in those three years, that,
1: oh yeah, that is worth it. Make it, yeah. it right. Just like if the if the uh, the Rams win the Super Bowl, it's all worth it. You see, look, it's a full circle, everyone. We planned it. It is. And on
2: that... <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> our script
1: our... is done. It took so long to write the script for tonight's episode, I gotta say. Insert joke here.
0: Ah, oh, shit. Okay. I read that uh, any other notes from either of you two on it? anything we discussed tonight or any other things you forgot and wanted to bring up now?
1: Yeah, just congratulations, Spencer, on your NL Central title 2021 champs.
2: First round exit
0: in the playoffs. Yeah, yep. yeah. very excited. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's uh, all okay. I had. Nice. Uh, everybody, make sure to tune in next week where we find out if Brett Byrne is there in Auto Jersey or not. And I, I'm going to. And I'll take a video. We'll post it on our Instagram and our Twitter. <laughs> perfect uh just make sure everybody to keep updated then on our instagram and twitter because that will be definitely something you don't want to miss once it happens as spencer's probably shaking his head right now thank you everybody for joining this episode